Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Rambold, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope, are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope, is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in the show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity. Again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert. In uh, First Peter, the name of this is the account that we must all give, the account that we must all give. This is, uh, I think I said a few weeks ago that I had some things prophetically I needed to go back and, and do, and, and this happens to be one of them, so uh, today you'll get to hear from the prophet, and we won't be learning a lot about Judaism, but we're going to be learning something that I'm sure that, that probably um, some of you in this room know, and most likely most of you don't know. 1 Peter 5. We're all accountable. You and I are accountable to God. And that accountability is something that you don't just throw off when you become a Christian. And the problem with throwing off accountability is saying, well, it doesn't count anymore. And I think the biggest problem that I have with that is that when you get into a situation that you you become a Christian and then all of a sudden you begin to do all these things and you do it all in the name of the Lord. And you think that somehow God is not going to see and God is not going to in any way, shape, or form uh, bring about any kind of a, 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 a punishment, any kind of a judgment, or anything that's going to come to us. But what I want you to see today, that God has something that he does do, something that you and I and all Christianity, all people that serve God, will come under in its time and its day. Again, First Peter 5, the second verse says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And that's what I want you to understand, when the chief shepherd appears. Now, who is the chief shepherd? Yeshua, Jesus. Now, when he appears... He says that ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And I want to speak today, and we're going to talk about, about these crowns. We want to talk about these things that are going to come on the day that you stand before God and give account. Every person will stand before Now, there's two judgments, and the great white throne judgment is not what we're talking about today. Uh, we're going to talk today about the judgment of which Christian people or people that have received Messiah they're going to give when they stand before God on that day as to what they uh, as to what they do. Now you're going to be maybe surprised when we get into this thing to begin to realize that it's not quite we do as we want to do. But what God has in mind is God has in mind for us as we become Christians is to be something that we have learned from beginning as Christians is to be more Christ-like. Say I'm to be more like Christ. That's what God has in mind. Some of us, after we have entered into uh, Christianity, what we have done is we have gone to a certain point in time. Some of us went to the area of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and, and then we, we grew for a while, and then we stopped. And, and then, bless God, then, then there was no other room for growth because then we begin to fall back into those things that we had came out of. Now, do you understand what I'm saying? 
There's people that actually come forward, they become Christians, they get filled with the, with the Holy Ghost, but then they begin to fall back and they don't seem to be seeking God as hard as they used to. They don't seem to be progressing with God. And I do believe that now that, that those of us of understanding what Judaism is doing in our lives can say amen to that part. But what I'm talking about is falling back into the things of sin. Okay? So if you'll turn with me in Revelation, the third chapter, Revelation 3. Revelation 3, 21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Now, I want you to underline that, and we, we have gone through that before, but there is an overcoming. He that overcometh, he that overcometh what? The sin in our lives. The only sin that you have been forgiven of is the sin that will send you eternally to hell of not receiving uh, Messiah as a Christian, not ascending him as uh, receiving him as a Christian. That will automatically send you because Jesus came and became the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb that was sacrificed. He lay his life down for us. If you don't receive him, there is no hope for you uh, as we talk and teach through Christianity. All right? Now, here's the key. He says, To him that overcometh will I, I, I grant to sit with me in my throne, even I also overcame. So did Jesus have to overcome? Was he not tempted with every sin that there is on the face of this earth? Yet he didn't sin. That's what the Bible teaches. Amen? Yet he did not sin. He said, I will come to him, and I, I'm sorry, I overcame, and I will sit down with my father in his throne. Now, the 22nd verse is, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And that's where the important part is, is to understand, again, that God is doing something spiritual. But you see, he's always done something spiritual through his word to the church, as we know it today. Turn with me in Romans, the 14th chapter. Romans 14. The 10th verse. But why dost thou, thou, dost thou judge thy brother? Question. Well, why dost thou set thy, at not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now what Paul is saying here is why do we judge each other? Because when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ as Christians, as believers, then we're going to find out who was right and who was wrong anyway. So why waste our time getting ourselves into trouble? Because again, uh, I hope that you understand that are here today that what you judge and the way that you judge, you're going to be judged back. I mean, that's the, so much the Word of God is saying if you receive Jesus in your heart, you're going to heaven. There's no difference in that. They're both exactly, exactly the same. But he goes on, and in the, in the 11th verse, he goes on to say, For it is written... As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, not to man, but to God. Man, man, we have set ourselves up as judges, and our judgment against one another has been no less than vicious within itself. We don't make good judges. The reason we don't is we can't judge. You say, oh, but I can with the Word. Well, you may think you can with the Word, but I'm here to tell you that God does whole different thing that he does, and he does it in the supernatural world. His judging, and we're going to see about how he judges, and why he judges, and what he judges. 
All right? But here we're saying, coming back on Paul, saying, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to, to God, so that every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And you need to align that. Every one of us will give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. In other words, just keep your yeas, yeas, and your nays, nays. Amen? That's really what that's saying. And if you can do that, then you'll begin to realize, and, and Paul was concerned, and Paul was very concerned about the church and what the church was doing at that point in time. Because evidently there was a problem in the church, and evidently they had forgotten that they shall all give account of themselves to God. Now, in 1 Corinthians 3, I don't think there's ever a Saturday that we don't hear that, or Sunday, is there? If when we were here on Sundays. Goes by, makes a lot of noise. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Now I want you to go back into that tenth verse, and I want you to understand what he's saying. He said, which is given to me as the master, he said, I have laid, I have laid the foundation. And another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon, for other foundation can no man lay that, that, that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, let every man's work be made manifest. Now, what's going to happen? Every man, that means man and or woman, their work is going to be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by what? By what? And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now you see why Paul was saying what he said over, over in Romans. He said, God is going to try your works. He's going to try them by fire, and it's going to, we're going to see what sort it is. We're going to find out whether it was good, it was bad, it was ugly, it was somewhere in between. See, as a Christian, it does not give you and I the right just to do everything we want to do, act any way we want to act, think any way we want to think, and believe that it pleases God. But you see, most of us as Christians believe that somehow we're going to get away with all that stuff, and I'm here to tell you that you're not. Now listen to, the, listen to 14. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. Well, there's that reward thing again, isn't it? If the work in which you have built upon, the work of which you're doing... If it survives the fire, you'll receive war. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Now, here's the reason we know he's talking to the church. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, he'll be saved himself. In other words, you're not going to go to hell. But the, the thing that you need to realize is that there are different positions that God has for his. Okay? Some are going to have, it depends on the crowns. And I hope we get to those today. If we don't, we'll get to them uh, next week. It depends upon the crowns in which God hands out and your earning of those crowns. But here Paul is definitely telling us that every man's work is going to be tried as by fire. Every man's thought, 
every man's action, every man's sin. See, the problem with you and I, again, we often use the name of Jesus to condone our sin. We often do that. Now, you can do that all day, and, and uh, there's another scripture I'm coming up here in a minute with that's going to show you uh, how you can understand whether you can get away with that or not, okay? When I say, you say, oh, we might be able to get away with it. Not really, but I'm going to show you in a minute how you can find out. 2 Corinthians 5, 8 through 10. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You need to underline that. Whether you're, whether you're here in body or you're in spirit, you still belong to the Lord. Tenth verse again says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. So whether it's good or it's bad, we're going to be judged. And we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and everything of your life will be unveiled to you. One time years ago, God gave me a vision, and in the vision I began to see how that was going to work. It was like a big screen television, and it ran your whole life. It ran your whole life. From the time, now listen, from the time that you received Christ. Before that time, every, when you, upon receiving Christ, all of those sins, everything's wiped away and all things become what? New. You got a clean slate. That's the reason people don't realize when you come into Jesus, Yeshua, when you come into Him, you have the opportunity from that point on to make your life absolutely sinless as you can make it. That all the rest of that is gone. But from that day forward, from the time that you received Him, you are then responsible. And your responsibility that you have is to understand that we're to be holy as he is holy. That's Scripture. Amen? Now let's go to 1 John 3. 1 John 3. Now it's kind of tough to be begin to believe that everything, everything that we're going to think, everything that we're going to say, and everything that we're going to do is going to come before the judgment seat of Christ. But it is. Every one of them. 1 John 3, 21. Listen closely. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. You know what that simply means? Let's read it again. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. That word confidence means assurance in Greek. We have assurance toward God. If your hearts don't condemn you, then it's not sin. But now if your heart condemns you, well, I don't know if my heart's ever condemned me or not. Well, if you've done something and you keep going back and you keep going back to it and your mind keeps going back to it, your mind keeps going back to it, your mind keeps going back to you, it's sin to you. So your heart is condemning you. Now, if your heart doesn't condemn you, then you have not sinned. So you see, it's the heart. And, you know, we have talked about the hearts becoming calloused. And sometimes if you're not careful, your heart can become calloused. And then you, you can sin and bless God. And then that sin, you, you overlook that and you'll begin to say, well, that, that, you know, that's not sin to me. You can actually build, a, get yourself to the place where you cannot let your heart 
condemn you, and you, that's a bad place to be into. You need to always have yourself in position of realizing you want to listen and let your heart be open and let your heart be, let your heart be tender before God. Then it says after that, see, again, let me read 21 to go to 22. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing to him. What do we keep? His commandments. And what are his commandments? The Torah. And we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So you, you have to begin to realize then it's your heart that's going to give you away. When you stand before the Lord God, Yeshua, on that, before his judgment seat as, as Christians or believers, you will then, your heart, the things that, that have been on your heart that you know that you shouldn't have done are going to be the things that, bless God, that are going to, if you will, in, in our uh, uh, jargon today, is going to eat you up. Now, again, we read it's not going to send you to hell, but it's going to cause you to live not as God has planned for all those that will abide in his words and let his words abide in you, okay, to live. And that's what God wants. Let's go to, uh, in, in 1 Samuel, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, I want to get a verse out of there. 1 Samuel 16, 16, 7. The Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because he, he, I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. And you need to underline that. The Lord doesn't look as man looks, or sees as man sees. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. Now I'm in 1 Samuel 16, 7. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So God is looking at the heart. Do you realize it's your heart that's going to give you away? It's our hearts that always gives us away. It does it every time. And I mean every time that we get involved, it's our heart that gives us away. Let's go to, let's go to, to uh, the book of Hebrews. Now I'm putting this all together, so just, just hang in there with me for a little bit here till, till we, uh, Hebrews 4, the 13th verse. And here it says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto his and the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So there's nothing that will be hidden. Nothing. So everything that we have done, and here's where the, here's where the tough part of it is, everything that we have done, that's one thing. Everything that we have thought, we're going to be judged by. Every thought, Every idle word that we have spoken, every action in which we have done, is all going to be judged on that day that we stand before Christ. Now, this is a believer. See, a lot of the churches never come to grips with the fact, and I've heard people tell me uh, in years past that, well, since I've become a believer now, I don't have to worry about the judgment seat of God. Well, you don't have to worry about the great white throne judgment, where the, the, the ones that weren't believers in Yeshua are going to burn for eternity. In the lake of fire, you don't, you, you, know, you don't have to worry about that. But there is a judgment that believers are going to be faced with. And, and I don't believe, and I, I've watched for years, the church has gotten so loose. We've gotten to the place where, bless God, we condone. As I said, there's as much sin in the church today, in the synagogues today, as there is out on the streets. They, I, would, I would beg 
uh, probably a difference if we don't have as much sin today in this room as there is in, in, in this two-block area around this church. And you look at me and you say, how could that be? Uh, well, look at your own heart. I'm not judging you. What I'm wanting you to do is to judge yourself, as God tells us to do. What is it, what is it in your life? See, again, Jesus said, you know, he said uh, about, uh, uh, he said, adultery, he said, to look on some, with someone with lust in your eyes, you have already committed adultery in your heart. See, it works that way with God. But with us, the way we work it, and I've heard this for years, the worst sin, I've had people come to me and say, now, Brother Decker, the worst sin that there is, is smoking, chewing tobacco, drinking beer, running with women, doing drugs. No, the worst sin that there is is blaspheming the Holy Ghost. And that will take your eternal life away from you. And it will let you then be in the unbeliever category. You don't want to get in that category. But you see, what you and I have done is we have categorized sin, and we have tried to decide just which are the worst sins, and then we'll not do the worst ones, we'll just do the, the least ones over here, because somehow God ranks them. Now listen to me. God does not rank sin. He does not rank sin. For you judging somebody is as bad as you going out here with a gun and murdering somebody. We wonder what's wrong with this nation, and we can't seem to come to grips with it within the churches and the synagogues ourselves. And until we can do that within our own selves, with, as God's people, it can never be done in our communities and in our nation. We have to realize that we have a God that is going to judge us across the board. Everything is equal. All sin is sin. It is sin whether you think the wrong thought, you might as well have done the wrong action with God. It is sin if you open your mouth and say something that you know without a saddle of turning you've lied about. It is sin. And that lie is no worse in this world than somebody out here in a whorehouse down the street somewhere in the eyes of God. But see, we can't do that as... How can I say this? As... Believers, we can't see it like that because it's us and them. It's us and them. But you know what that us and them becomes when it even comes within the churches and the synagogues? It still is us and them. I can judge you, but don't you judge me. I can talk about you any way you want. I want to talk about you, but, but, but you, you deserve that. But you see, we don't understand what we're taking away from ourselves. And I hope uh, that we're going to see some of that today before we finish. Now, where was I? I, I was uh, in Hebrews, and I was in 4.13. I read that. Let's go to Revelation 20, the book of Revelation, the 20th chapter. Revelation 20, 11. Now here, it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away from whose face. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of the, these things which were written in the books according to their works. What is it? According to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in, in it and dead, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. 
and the dead was, and, and, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So you see, that judgment, you, you have passed that judgment. You're in the book of life. Somebody say amen. And that's the important thing for us to be in. That is the important thing for us to be in, is to know that we're written into that. That can't be taken away from you. You can give it away. Sixth chapter of, uh, of Hebrews, I want you to see this. I think we've gone through this many times, but I, I still want you to tie this all together. Hebrews, the sixth chapter. Therefore, leaving 6.1 of Hebrews, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and the faith toward God, of the doctrines of baptisms and laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Now, what, what's going on here? Well, again, the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us that there is a going on. He's really talking about transition, of which we have preached and taught you for years. This, the third verse says, and this will we do if God permit. For it is impossible, now underline the word impossible, for those who were once enlightened, for those who once had been preached Jesus and received him as Messiah, and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the world to come, if they fall away, to repent, to, to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to open shame. You can't do that. You cannot do that. You can't put him, in other words, you can't deny him. I, again, I, I'm, I'm hoping for the day when God will let me begin to teach on blaspheming the Holy Ghost. There's, there's, you know, there's, I don't think people realize what they do. When God brings you to a place, see, the thing that I have tried to teach for years is that when God brings you to a place, he brought you there. Okay? These are places of learning. It's what synagogues, what, what churches are about. A place for you to come and to learn. And God designates. Now, how does God designate whether you ought to be in this organization or not? How does he do that? He does that in your heart. Now, what do we find out again about your heart? your heart? Your heart does lots and many, many things for you. It's in your heart. Somehow or other, God spoke to your heart, and you knew in your heart that God had brought you to this place in order for you to further learn or further be educated in the things of God. And that's what this is. This is a institution. This is not a, a see, this, the, the problem with this organization is we are not a social organization. That's the reason a lot of people don't want too much to do with us, because we don't pay a lot of attention to social things. Now, now that we've got into keeping, uh, keeping the festivals, all the Jewish festivals, then it's going to look like we're a whole lot more sociable. And we are, okay? But we're doing that because those are commandments. All right, but, but we didn't fall in love. Okay, let's get back to, the, back to the rest of it. So God spoke to your heart and caused you to be here. Now, can you leave any time you want? Absolutely. There's the door. You know, my story is be careful and don't let it hit you on the backside on the way out because no one's got any, any holes, nobody's got any bonds, 
Nobody's got any, any grip on you. We're not going to tie anybody up. We're not praying against anybody. You're a free will agent. You do as you want to do. That's, that, that's for you. Not for me to judge. That's for you. But if God sent you here to grow up, and, I, and I've always said this and I will always say this, as a prophet of God, you ain't going to outgrow me. That I will guarantee you. You will never outgrow this ministry if I'm real, really a prophet of God. Why? Because I'm a mouthpiece of God, I'm a forerunner of God, and God has to tell me before he tells the rest of them. Now, if you're around another prophet, then, you, uh, then they're going to know too. Let's don't get into how many prophets we got here in this grand city of Evansville, Indiana. We got a lot of would-bees or a lot of like-to-bees, we got a lot of volunteers now. You know, about six, seven years ago, we didn't have any volunteers. So if you leave, and it's God's will that you were here, what have you done? Now, you may not like it. You may not think that it's that way yet. Just hang on. Let me prove to you once again that I'm a prophet. How many times do you suppose I've got to prove that? Too many. Let me tell you, too many. Why should you have to do that? Well, you see, it's no different with Moses. You'd think opening that, <laughs> you'd think the, the Sea of Reeds, the, the Red Sea went out. You'd think that would have been enough, wouldn't you? You'd say, well, now, that's different. If I'd have been there, and he, I, I'd have believed. No, you wouldn't have. No, you wouldn't have. Why? Because it's all in here, see? It's all within your heart. So what you've got to realize is that, that when you fall away, there's a lot of different ways to fall away, folks. And I'm not, again, trying to preach you another message, even though I'm probably giving you an excerpt of something that's going to come one of these days that, that I've probably had for ten years to minister. The fact of it is, there's, there, there's a number of ways to blaspheme the Holy Ghost. You don't just decide. See, you don't have the right to decide what you're going to do with God's kingdom. Think about that one for a while. See, you don't have a right. You think you do. You say, well, I'm a free will agent. Yes, you are, but do you not now belong to him? You're his before you die, and you're sure his after you give up the ghost. Think about that for a while. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll, uh, maybe it'll sink in. Revelation, uh, we went to Revelation 20, didn't I? I got that all read. Yeah, I did. Let's go to Hebrew, Hebrews, the ninth chapter. 9.27. These are some one verses, but uh, uh, verses. But I, I want you to get a hold of what's happening with this. It says in, in 9:27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this what? The judgment unto men, all men, all mankind, man and woman. Then it is the judgment. After you die, is the judgment. In in Acts 17. Acts 17, 31. Acts 17, 31. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. Now, I mean, that's, that's Acts 17, 31. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in what? In righteousness. What is righteousness? It's being like God. Okay? And the man, of course, is going to do it. Jesus is who he gave that authority or who he gave the judgment to. 
The book of Ecclesiastics, there's a verse there I want to I want to pick uh, take to you. The book of Ecclesiastics, as small as it, it is, in the 12th chapter and in the 14th verse, which just happens to be the last one. Right before the Song of Solomon, if you have a, a Bible that's not a Hebrew Bible anyway. 12, 14, For God shall bring every work into judgment, now listen, with every secret thing, Every work, every act will be brought into judgment with every secret thing. How many secret things do you have? It's all going to be, it's all going to, it's all going to be, whether it be what? Good or whether it be evil. It's all going to be brought. See, there it goes back to the idle words, the idle thoughts, the idle doing. And I'm convinced you know, I've said this a number of different times, and I'm totally convinced that the old line Pentecostal preachers were right. As mad as it made me when they said it, the best thing that can ever happen to you and your family is to go to the front door, open it up, go in and unhook that television set and the antenna and throw it out that door and let it be broken or run over it with a truck and don't ever buy another one. And when I heard that 25 years ago, it made me mad. How could that be? How could that be? What do you think kids are murdering kids today about? It's over a television set. What do you think the people are learning how to do all this stuff and all the blowing up the Oklahoma City deal? What do you think they, where do you think that was all coming from? Television. We made the bad guys good guys. And we made it look intriguing for, for these people out here on drugs and, 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 and all the things that they were into. We got pulling for the bad guys. You ever, you ever realize that? Something's, something's wrong in Tinseltown. Something's wrong. Revelation 22. Things that get planted in your spirit grow. So a man thinketh in his heart, so shall he be. 22.12. Revelation, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to every man according to his work shall be. That's pretty strong stuff, isn't it? He said, my reward is with me, to give to every man according as his work shall be. What are your works? Huh? Let's go back over to 1 Corinthians, 3rd chapter, and I'm gonna, we're going to look at... Uh, these crowns here for a minute, but I want to read this first, 1 Corinthians 3.14. It says, If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. Now there's five of these that, that I have listed. Five crowns. The first one is the incorruptible crown. The incorruptible crown. Now I wrote these verses down. I'm not going to go through these verses. I'll give them to you and and I pray to God I wrote the right ones down because I did it quickly and I did a couple of them for memory. So if they're not, use your concordance and look them up, okay? The uncorruptible crown, 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through, through 27. Now this uncorruptible crown is for running the Christian race well and keeping his body under subjection. 
It's what that crown, that incorruptible crown is about, is being able to run the Christian race well and keeping your body under subjection to the Word. Okay? The second one is the crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. The crown of rejoicing is the second one. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. This is for winning souls, so there's going to be a crown for winning souls. Are you a soul winner? Have you ever won a soul to Christ? Have you run the race well? Or you've been one of those, oh my golly gee, things are really tough on us. I'm telling you, oh, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. You know, when you're out there running the race, you're not, you're, you're not looking over your, your spikes to see if they're, you know, you know, saying, well, I can't run because these spikes say they're not, you know, they're, no, you run the race. You give it everything you have got. Even if you don't think you can do it, you're still out there doing it while you're running the race. So the uncorruptible crown goes with that. The crown of rejoicing comes through winning the souls. And if you're not a soul winner, you know, we, we, I think that the fact of you not realizing that even though you may not want to go up and preach, and not everybody can do that, go up to somebody and start preaching about Yeshua, about Jesus, but the way you live your life will tell the tale. Okay? The way you live your life will tell how it is and which you're going to end up looking to be. In other words, if you, if you live the life, they'll know that on the job. I'm here to tell you they will. And if you don't think so, wear your keppa for a while. Get yourself some fringes that goes under your, under your outer garment and wear them, and they'll begin to recognize you as something good. It'll either be good bad. It won't be ugly. Okay? But understand, there's a crown of rejoicing. The third one is the crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4.8, the crown of righteousness. Now listen, this, this was not too, too hard, not too hard of a crown to acquire. And the way God does things is really neat, okay? This one isn't too hard to acquire. This one is, is acquired through loving the appearing once again of Messiah. Is what that crown is. So if you're if you love the appearing, and yet that ought to be on your mind. Paul preached it so hard that in his day and his hour that they thought that he was coming in that generation. You need to love the, the coming, the appearing of Messiah. This generation is on a, upon whom the ends are written, so you should love that. The fourth one is the crown of life, James one twelve and Revelation two ten, the crown of life. Now this one is 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 a little tougher, okay? This crown of life is gotten for enduring trials and loving the Lord in spite of the trial. You know, a lot of people go through trials and they quit serving the Lord altogether. You know that? A lot of us, when things get hard with us, we quit serving God. We just kind of put it on the, up on the shelf and we don't pray and we don't read the Bible and you you know some of us won't, won't come to service and and what happens with all that? Well, it's because you see there's you have fainted. The Bible says if you faint not in due season you shall reap. If you if you faint not in due season you will reap. 
Most of us, bless God, when trials come, we begin to faint or we begin to fall away. Well, it's this or it's that or it's something else. I'm here to tell you, if it wasn't this or that or something else, it would be something else. Trials are something that are going to come in your life. Why? Because God's going to find out what you're made out of. He's going to find out whether you really want all this or you just think you do. And if you just think you want all this, then you're going to find out probably that you think that you don't. Because you're not going to walk in. You know, there again, I, I've been around a, a year or two, and I've had a lot of people come around me and going to work great works of God, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. And I just sort of grin, but I'm going to tell you, I happen to know the hell you're going to go through to, to be able to work these kind of works. These kind of works don't get worked just because you're a good old boy, a good old gal that decided to get saved and go to church and speak in tongues. These things are done because you give your life to God. You get your heart turned toward God. It doesn't matter come hell or high water, you serve God. It doesn't really matter. He's your, your, I mean, he's God today, he's going to be God tomorrow, and he's going to be God throughout all eternity. So who are you or who, I, who am I to take exception to that and to believe, oh, woe is me because this has happened and where are you at, meaning God? Now, it won't work. So that, that crown's a little tougher. And these trials, and it even means even unto death. Even unto death, this goes on, okay? The fifth one is the crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. This one is really relative only to, to the, the ministers and how being how faithful the minister is and the feeding of the flock of God and willing, buying, and, and with, with, with being willing to do that and with ready, ready of mind, soul, and body uh, all the time. And that, that crown is, is given to those that are, that are, you know, that are always there. You know, in other words, there are some people that bless God that, I mean, anything comes up, you know. I've known ministers that, well, I won't be able to go to the pulpit tonight, you know. I'm just, I just don't, I'm, I'm, brother, I'm just not able. Well, it, you know, my whole story of it is, if you need to run out and throw up in the street, run out there and throw up and go back. God, the, if there's any anointing in your life at all, or your ministry, God will let you get through it. And I ought to know. We've had times when, when uh, God will sustain you. I'm going to tell you God will lift you up with anointing, set you up here and let you do what you do, and then you can be sick after you get done. I know. Been through too much of it. I know how it works. But you see there again, you've got to be your readiness and your willingness to give to God. So these five, five crowns, again, the incorruptible crown, the crown of rejoicing, the crown of righteousness, the crown of life, and the crown of glory. Now, what are these all about? Well, let me show you something in the book of Revelation, the fourth chapter. We probably use the book of Revelation more today than you use it in six months or a year with me, but it's just spotting it, okay? Spot verses. Revelation 4. You found Revelation 4, look in the 10th verse. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that set up the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying. What's those crowns for? I got news for you. Wouldn't it be something to be able to go up and cast all five of your thrones, uh, your, uh, your crowns on his throne? You know what that means? You know what that's saying? God, I serve you. And here's the crowns to prove it. That I went that other mile. I didn't become like most the rest of them were. I didn't become somebody that 
that, bless God, I, I realized that there would come a day. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. To have the, to have the, the, to have the pleasure to worship God, to say, yes, I represented You, and here is Your crowns back that You gave to me. Big time stuff, folks. That happened? Yes, and it's going to happen. It's just a matter, just a matter of time. Revelation three eleven. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Can your crown be taken from you? You bet you. Why would he say that? Hold that which thou hast. You know what he's talking about? That hold the word of God in your heart. Don't be shaken off the word. See, we have got we have got Christianity serving God in, in such a relative form today that it's very, very difficult to find a pattern to be able to pattern ourselves after. Because there's so much out there that I mean you, you can you can literally find churches today that, 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 that believe that they can have queers in the pulpit. And, and, you, and they've got buildings full of people, and they said, See, this is of God. Look at all these people that are here. Everything imaginable was out there. But he's saying, Hold fast that which thou hast, meaning the word that was given to him, that no man take thy crown. Listen, him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Don't sound like we're going up. Sounds like he's coming down. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You go into the next one of the church of Laodicean, you find out that their biggest problem was that they were lukewarm. They were neither on fire for God, and they were neither cold toward God. They were going through all the adelids of, of having church, but yet it wasn't there. And, 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 and there again, he said in the 18th verse of that, of that same chapter 3, he says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried, gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with thy salve that thou mayest see. So God's moving in, isn't he? And God's beginning to do the things that God knows how to do. Let's go to, let's go to 2 John, 2 John, the 8th verse. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be... I said 2 John, didn't I? Yes, I did. Thank you. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we have received that that we will receive a, a full reward. Again, talking about those things that you have accomplished. That word brought here is accomplished with Greek. That we lose not those things which we have accomplished, but that we receive a full reward. See, he was concerned that, that some weren't going to receive a full reward. Why? But evidently there's a reward to be received, but nobody seems to understand just exactly what it is or how it's about that you might or might not lose it. Let's go to 1 John 2, 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when we shall appear we may have confidence 
and not be ashamed before him at his coming. How can you be ashamed? Well, you can be ashamed, bless God, if you don't have any crown. You can be ashamed, bless God, that, that when all this comes up, if, you know, it begins to take away from you and take away from you. You know, I've always looked at this thing as the difference of living in a mansion and living in a shack. That's the way I've always looked at it. That you're going to be there, but it's in the manner in which you are there. You understand what I'm saying to you? You are all going to be there, but it's the manner in which you are there. It's just about like it is today. You know, there's people today that live in the poorest part of this city. And there's other people in this city that live in the outer surrounding areas of this city that live like kings, don't they? Heaven's going to be a lot the same way. In the, in the fact that you say, well, that doesn't seem fair. No, no. It's all fair because you see, uh, again, if you've never been taught in these, this kind of an area, well, you, you have been today. But the fact of it is, is to be aware of and to realize that you're putting up, you're putting up for an afterlife, not what's here and now. This thing here and now is not going to mean anything to you. This life after this is what it's all going to count. And that's where it's going to come down to not the material thing that you have had on this earth, but the supernatural in which you have placed throughout the kingdom within God's word himself. Let's go to, uh, let's see, I got, uh, did I get uh, 1 John Yeah, 2.28? I got that. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.12, a couple more will be done here. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. How do we deny him if, in fact, the things that are being judged won't come up to the, the place that they need to come up to? Okay? Colossians 3, Colossians 3, 20, 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not unto men. That word heartily in Greek means willingly. And whatsoever you do, do it willingly as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that the Lord uh, of the Lord you shall receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respecter of persons. Hmm. Pretty plain, isn't it? It's very plain that we're going to receive in accordance to that word. See, that's the reason, again, you and I must set a higher standard than this world out here has set. And if our standard is based upon God's Word, then everything is going to move and do just exactly the way God wants it to do. If, in fact, our standard doesn't come to that place, then we're going to accomplish less and less and less for God. Luke, the 12th chapter. I'm going to end with that today and see if I can. The 12th chapter of Luke, the first verse. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they, they, they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, First of all, beware ye of the eleven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Which is hypocrisy. How do you get that out? There is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear and closet shall be proclaimed upon the rooftops.
Does everybody get any idea? We ain't going to get away with nothing, are we? There's not a thing we're going to get away with. That's the reason you and I... Now, now, now as to what that seems to be, let me bring you the good, the good side of this thing. The good side of this is to realize something very, very important. And it's not hard to... I don't think it's hard for anybody in this room as knowing that you've received Messiah not to realize that the key is repentance. Now, I want to go back before I close this, this, this afternoon. I want to go back and get you to remember what Jesus had said, what Yeshua had said. For him that overcometh, See, there again, the thing that I have always taught you is we have never yet arrived. We are arriving. Amen? So our place is to overcome. Now, sin that has been repented for and cleaned out of your life. Now, I don't mean a sin that's been repented for and you keep going back into it. That's not what I'm talking about. Sin that you have repented for and taken out of your life, you have overcome that sin. Everybody with me? That's not going to appear at the judgment seat of Christ. That's not going to be there. So the key, and now again, count this good, bad, or ugly to you this afternoon, but it should be good, because what it is, this is a warning to us. Getting us to realize that God just isn't exactly all that pleased with the way some of us are conducting our lives, calling ourselves believers. Trying to get us to understand that there is going to be a time when all things are, are, going, to, are, going, to be, uh, are going to appear from our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we will be judged, and we will begin to lose our rewards over them. But if we begin to overcome and will overcome those things, then those things will forever be laid aside and not accounted to us. It has to do here in the heart, doesn't it? So what I would suggest to you today is to search your hearts, each one of us individually, and begin to make some quality decisions that we are going to be overcomers. Now, some of you may need to go back and listen to some tape or tapes that I did on He That Overcometh, I think was the name of it and begin to realize that God is expecting us to overcome these things. Let me put it this way. If the Lord God was to take you today from this earth, because he put his spirit, your spirit, he, meaning the Lord God, put his spirit in you when you received him, put your spirit in your mother's womb and anointed it, if he took you today off of this earth, what would you be sorry about when you...